Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild. But do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking, where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark. Join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft, and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is The Major's Well. Hey Majors, welcome to part two of The She. I would recommend listening to the first part. I spoke about the beliefs and the history around these entities. It really sets the scene for today's episode, which is more on the folklore and stories around the she, also known as the fae. Before I start, though, a little bit of a trigger warning. Stories, mythology, and folklore around the Fae is dark. I talk about abductions and missing people, child abuse, murder. It's quite grisly, and it's all around the Fae. So, I'm going to talk about what the Fae do, or rather, how they interact with humans, and also include the modern interpretations of what these interactions actually are. One particular favourite pastime of the she is to kidnap women and turn them into wet nurses for their fae children. Often in these tales, the person kidnapped is taken young or unexpectedly. This could refer to those who died suddenly and the kidnapping story came about to ease anxiety around sudden death of loved ones. Or it could have been used to explain partners walking out and abandoning their loved ones. It could also excuse partners walking out and then changing their mind once they return. There's also tales of talented musicians being abducted so they can play for the she. Now this idea of being taken by the fae or abducted and then being returned 
is where the term off with the fairies as a saying came from. You may have heard of changelings. Changeling stories are very common throughout fey folklore and you may have come across one. The idea that a human baby or an adult, though less rare, is snatched away by the she and is replaced by an inanimate object like a log, a grotesque fey baby or a baby that's been enchanted to look like the stolen baby slash adult. Now, the changelings were often sickly weak and very different to the person they were attempting to replace. The original child was said to be returned when the changeling was harmed or threatened. The fae's parents would hear the changeling's pain and whisk it away. There are tales of these changelings being doused with iron water, left by the tide, branded with iron pokers and even burnt alive. In some cases, this idea was sadly used to justify the killing of disabled children and those who had autism. In some areas, however, the way to break the changeling spell was to make the child laugh, which was quite a difficult task with a changeling baby, due to them being worldly wise. One way to do this was to ferment beer in half an eggshell, or boil water in half an eggshell, to which the changeling would laugh and ask what the person was doing. Their cover would be blown. Now a way to protect the human child from abduction in the first place was to place iron on or near the crib. Now traditionally, when the parent was giving birth, it was seen as a very dangerous time as it was liminal. The veil was said to be thin with bringing in a new life and therefore both the birthing parent and the child were at risk. To counter this, iron was placed in the birthing room close to where it was happening. In some parts of Ireland, the newborn wasn't safe until they sneezed. So, as soon as they were born, Pepper was shoved under its nose. Bragging about a child was also dangerous, and could tempt the Fae into stealing the said child, unless countered by saying something along the lines of, blessed be God. If someone complimented your child without acknowledging God, they were essentially throwing the evil eye and placing a target on the child for the Fae. A really famous and well-documented case of a changeling occurred in 1895, that of Bridget Clearly. It is a really shocking case that ended with her being burned alive. English newspapers at the time interpreted her as a witch. They couldn't accept that there were people who firmly believed in the Fae and changelings, so they altered the narrative, and to this day she is known as the last witch burned alive in Ireland, but this really isn't the case. Basically, Bridget fell ill while delivering eggs. Her health took a turn at a place called Kyle Nagranek. I think I've pronounced that. And this detail is relevant because it was locally quite a famous fairy ring. As her condition worsened, her father sent for a doctor and a priest. Now, the doctor diagnosed her with mild bronchitis, prescribed medicine, and left. Her husband didn't give Bridget the medicine though, and instead he brought in a fairy doctor, which is a person who specialises in fairies and fairy encounters. Now, her husband believed that she was a changeling and insisted she wasn't the same woman he'd fallen in love with and that she'd been swapped at their wedding night eight years ago. This belief may have been fueled by a neighbour who had devout beliefs in the fae. 
Family members came round and things escalated pretty quickly. She was asked to confirm her identity multiple times and they basically tortured her under the belief that she was a changeling. Urine was thrown at her. Now this is a risky practice because traditionally urine was used to banish the Fae but it could backfire and it could make them angry. Regardless, they still believed she was a member of the Fae and persisted with their torture. It reached a head where after three days, Michael, her husband, poured lamp oil over Bridget and set it alight. The other family members didn't stop Michael because they were too afraid. It was reported that he went to the local fairy mound and eagerly awaited his real wife's return on a white horse. He waited in vain. It didn't take long for his crime to be discovered. He pleaded guilty, but on the grounds of being mentally ill. The charge was reduced to manslaughter, enabling him to escape the death sentence and serve 20 years in prison. Other family members were also arrested and tried. The whole event is horrific and highlights that belief can destroy rational thought and can drive people to do inhumane things. I have another story centred around the idea of changelings. This one is a little bit more light-hearted though. A mother forgets to leave an offering to the Fae of bread and water left on the table with the front door open on All Saints night. The next day, she noticed there was something odd with her twins. They looked different and evil, almost. They had also stopped eating and drinking. Instantly she realised what had happened. A little later, a tailor appears at the house, looking for work. So she invites him in and makes him a meal. She asks him to mind the children while she gets some needle and thread so he can make clothes for the children. He agrees and off she goes. As soon as she does, the children jump out the cradle and start wreaking havoc, much to the tailor's horror. They turn the house upside down and one grabs a fiddle and starts playing while the other one dances around the room. A little while later, the mother returns and as she does so, they jump back into the cradle and fall asleep. The tailor pulls her to one side and explains what happened. She tells him that she didn't actually go to get thread, but instead she went to the local priest, who advised her to get the cover of a pot and place it in the fire till it glows red. Next, the cradle had to be covered with the hot lid. She asks the tailor if he will help her, and he agrees. He gets the lid and places it in the fire, as per the priest's instructions, until it glows. Now he takes it out the fire and begins to walk over to the cradle, but before he can complete his task, the twins launch themselves out of the cradle, run over to the fire and fly up the chimney, escaping both the tailor and the mother. The mother anxiously waits till midnight and looks back inside the cradle, where she finds both her real children fast asleep. Overjoyed, she grabbed her children and thanked the tailor. Now it's thought that changeling folklore is thought to have occurred due to a family being unable to cope with a child's disability, or perhaps the child was a little strange or odd, and this didn't fit in within the family's overall narrative, and the child had to be got rid of. Changeling tales could also have come about to explain the death of children, due to a number of diseases, including tuberculosis, which was quite common and widespread. 
Interestingly, the word oaf was linked to elf, and it didn't mean a stupid or clumsy person, but that they were a changeling. We also have stories around elf shot. I mentioned it briefly in part one. Now, elf shot was a common ailment throughout history. This was basically where people fell ill due to the fae shooting the victim. They would also target cattle, and in particular newlyweds. Once the target died, it thought they lived forever in the world of the fae. If, however, they lived, their character was changed. Why do they shoot people? We have no idea. It looks like it's just for fun, but it could also be due to some violation or transgression of some sort on the part of the human, like going into territory that they had no right of going into. But modern day folklorists believe it was a way to explain the common cold and flu, and thought it may have been inspired by people finding Neolithic flint arrows while ploughing land. Those suffering from elf shot were said to be elf addled, and suffered from strange symptoms and pains. Also, if people saw too much of the she, or they were too interested in them, they became enthralled by them, and everyday life couldn't really interest them or hold them. Visiting the realm of the Fae also carried dangers, and you didn't have to consent to this visit. There's one encounter where a shepherd was taken underground and later escaped. It was reported, however, that afterwards he never enjoyed himself. Often, abductees who have escaped remain silent about their captivity. In some areas, it was believed the Fae placed something in their mouths and stopped them talking about it. There's reports of victims actually saying they prefer to go back. These elf adult symptoms could be explanations for stroke or mental illnesses, like depression. There's other tales of those who were lucky enough to escape, usually through completing an impossible task and return to the mortal world. Yet upon their return, they noticed that the time spent in the world of the Fae didn't equate to the same amount of time that had passed in the mortal world. A few hours in the Fae world could have been years in the human. Essentially, they are returning to a world that's now alien to them. Often, within these tales, the first contact with food, or the soil of their world, turns the escapee into dust. There's also tales of the fairy bride, where a mortal would marry a member of the Fae on the condition that if the mortal violated a rule decided by the Fae three times, usually, not always, the marriage immediately terminates and she goes back to her world. This could speak to the fact that when women married, they moved in with their husband. It could represent their isolation from their roots and their desire to leave and to return to what they were familiar with. It could have also been seen as quite an empowering story to women trapped in marriages. A famous tale around this concept is called the Bride of the Red Lake. This is a Welsh lake situated on Mount Snowdon. A farmer one day decides to go fishing in a lake up the mountain. So off he sets, but when he gets there, it's full of mist, and it's a little unsettling. The wind suddenly changes, and it reveals a man stood atop a ladder, thatching a haystack. Both the ladder and the haystack stood on the surface of the lake. The wind changed, and the scene disappeared. 
Another farmer was eager to see another glimpse of the other world and visited the lake often, but to no avail. One day, it's hot, and he's riding his horse up the mountain, so he stops off at the lake to let his horse drink. As he was looking out over the lake, he saw a beautiful woman under the surface looking at him. He jumps off his horse and wades in after her, but as he got close, she disappeared. He'd catch sight of her again, try to get close to her, but each time she would move away. This happened several times, and before long he was exhausted. A bit gutted that he couldn't see her out of the lake, he left and went home. The next day he went back to the lake and looked out over it in the hopes he might see her again. He was getting hungry and brought a bag of apples for the journey. Reaching into the bag and pulling one out, he bit into it, and as he did so, the woman appeared and begged him for an apple, as she loved them. And I should say, this is quite a common theme within folklore as well. They seem to adore apples. Now, the farmer agrees to her having an apple, but on the grounds that she takes it herself. He lures her over, and as he does so, he grabs her wrist. In response, she screams, and the lake ripples and boils, and out steps a man who asks the farmer what does he want with his daughter. The farmer's a bit shaken, but he asks for a hand in marriage, and begs for the father's consent. The father agrees, we don't know her stance on this, but the father says he must never strike her with clay. So they get married, and it's happy days. Now, further into the marriage, the wife reminds him that she loves apples, and he goes off and gets her some, as well as a sapling, so she can have a constant supply further down the line. They ate the apples, and then they went outside to plant the tree. So the farmer is digging a hole, and then says, okay, the hole is big enough, and he throws the soil behind him. But he doesn't look at where he's thrown it, and it hits her, and within the soil is a clump of clay that lands firmly in the middle of her chest. She begins to cry and says she must return to the lake. He's broken her father's marriage contract. She runs to the edge of the lake and dives in, disappearing forever. The farmer spends the rest of his days crying and lamenting over his loss. As you may know, I set up my shop towards the end of last year with the goal of helping people deepen their practice and to connect to the divine. My products are carefully formulated with quality ingredients that are thoughtfully sourced, then packaged and wrapped with materials that have a low impact on the environment. For my oils, I will think of a brief or an aim that I want to achieve with this particular product. I specify some of the ingredients that I want to be in it, for example, with the Money Money Oil, I knew that basil had to be in there for me. It's got huge connotations with money and also with the Freedom Oil, I wanted people to feel like they were in a forest, so fir and cedar had to be in there. I then hand this brief or this idea over to Madhavi Patel, who has been working in aromatherapy for over a decade. She then intuitively picks the other ingredients and blends them into a formula that fits in with my idea or concept. I send out samples to a small group and see how they get on with it. Then, if it's all good, the product goes on my site. It's a small, intuitive process that works with small batches to deliver witchy oils that not only smell good, but work. 
In the shop today, we have Money Money Oil, Trance Oil, and Freedom Oil, as well as Erotica, my latest blend that's designed to be diffused throughout sex magic and love magic workings, and to generally create a space that is safe and fun for intimacy. I also have a rosemary cleansing bundle designed to be burned as an alternative to white sage that has been handmade by me with recycled string sourced from a mature rosemary brush from my friend's house in East London. It's wrapped under a dark moon for added potency. You can see all these products over on themajorswell.com. The idea of the seductive fey lover is quite prevalent as well. This could have been a warning for people to be careful of seductive strangers. The fairies in these tales are often murderous, or leave them pregnant and left to face raising a child alone. One famous tale, and actually the oldest Irish fey tale on record, and arguably the earliest fairy tale of modern Europe, is the adventures of Conla. It was recorded in the 9th century, but it's thought to be much, much older. So, Conla is the son of a powerful ruler, and he stood with his father and a group of his men on a mountain called Usna, which lies in the Republic of Ireland today. Conla notices that there's a strange woman walking up the path towards them. So he asks her, where are you from? To which she responds, quote, I come from the plains of the ever-living, and this is the Fey world. Now the king and his men look at Conla talking, and they think, who is he talking to? They can't see the woman. So the king asks, son, who are you talking to? Now before the son has a chance to respond, the Fey woman chooses to be heard by the king, yet remains invisible, and says, quote, Conla speaks to a young fair maid, whom neither death, nor old age awaits. I love Conla, and now I call him away to the plain of pleasure, Moimel, where Boadag is the king for I. Nor has there been complaint or sorrow in that land since he has held the kingship. O oh, come with me, Conla of the fiery hair, ruddy as the dawn with thy tawny skin. A fairy crown awaits thee to grace thy comely face and royal form. Come, and never shall thy comeliness fade, nor thy youth, till the last awful day of judgment. The king in horror calls for his druid to help. The druid does so, he performs a spell, and she's banished. Conla can't see her anymore, and nor can anyone else hear her. But before she was banished, she manages to reveal an apple, and she throws it at Conla. Now, the king and his men leave the mountain, but before they do so, Conla picks up the apple and takes it with him. For a month, the apple is the only thing he eats, and he doesn't drink either. As soon as the apple is finished, it replenishes itself. With each passing day, his desire for the strange woman on the mountain grew. On the last day of the month, Conla, his father, and his men are stood in the plain of Akramin, and once again, Conla sees the woman approach them. She acknowledges Conla's status as a future king, but also that he will die as a mortal. The Fae, however, are begging for him to come to their kingdom and become a king. But Conla's father hears her and quickly summons his druid once again. The woman scolds the druid and says his power is nothing, 
The king realises that Connla hasn't spoken throughout this second appearance, and asks him if he's okay. Connla responds that he loves his people, but he feels drawn to the Fae and the woman in front of him. She sees an opportunity, and she quickly responds, quote, The ocean is not so strong as the waves of thy longing. Come with me in my curra, the gleaming, straight, gliding crystal canoe. Soon we can reach Bodog's realm. I see the bright sun sing, yet far as it is, we can reach it before dark. There is, too, another land worthy of thy journey, a land joyous to all that seek it. Only wives and maidens dwell there. If thou wilt, we can seek it and live there alone together in joy. Comla, taken in by her words, takes off running to the boat and he gets in with her. The king and his court watch as the boat glides over the sea into the setting sun, and Conla is never seen or heard of again. It's quite a short tale, but it really sets a precedent to how the she will be viewed for the next thousand or so years. Now, I've spoken today about modern interpretations that rationalise and explain the folklore around the Fae, but I do want to throw in a few curveballs. There's a lot of talk where people have linked particular missing person cases to the Fae. There's a lot of 411 cases in America that have strange details. 441, for those who are unsure, are cases where people go missing in very strange circumstances. They either show up dead, again surrounded by odd details, they're never found, or they return unwilling and unable to talk about their disappearance. Briefly, very briefly, a family of hunters were out hunting. The father, an old but capable man, was on a hill and his family spread out throughout the area. He vanishes, there is no trace of him, and the family and the police couldn't explain it. Now, he was a seasoned hunter, and could have easily called out for help, and would have been heard if he had done so. One family member reported hearing strange music at the time of his disappearance. It's a common motif within Fae folklore that you hear their music before you see them. Another case... A man went missing for a few days and he was found dead, in quite a severe state of starvation and dehydration that couldn't have possibly developed within the time frame of the few days he went missing. I have to admit, there's certainly something strange and compelling about these cases. People have also drawn parallels to fae folklore and alien abduction encounters. Could our ancestors have had run-ins with aliens? Are the Fae an ancient explanation for life forms not from this planet? It's certainly a thought-provoking idea. I've also read accounts of people who have had run-ins with the Fae. One woman bought a property, quite a large one I think, that was heavily linked to Fae activity. Now she started to erect an iron fence around the property. Remember, the Fae aren't keen on iron. So she climbs a hill to oversee the project. Now she felt someone push her quite firmly in the back, causing her to fall down the hill and break her arm. She swears she was pushed, but when she looked on the hill, there was no one there. 
In light of the discrepancies within Fey folklore that I spoke about at the beginning of part one, the idea that in some tales they're helpful, some they're evil, they're beautiful, they're ugly, etc. Jeremy Hart, a famous folklorist, doesn't seek to iron out these discrepancies, but instead he asks, what have fairies done for our society? He believes every legend and every belief serves to answer a question. So in regards to tales around the Fae, why did she have to die so young? Why won't the butter churn? Why do I keep getting lost in a familiar landscape at night? Why do the bottles in my wine cellar keep getting empty by themselves? And most poignant, why can't I love my baby? The Fae in each of these scenarios offer comfort and resolution to all of these questions. But is there something to the folklore? Is there a scrap of truth? Could there be entities like the Fae really out there? I believe so. But what about you? And Majors, that's it. That is a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path and to talk about interesting parts of history relating to spirituality. I also want to connect you with information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me? With your support, I can dedicate more time to the mage as well. You can financially support me through Patreon, where you'll gain access to more content and connect with the mage as well community. The link for this is in the episode description. If you're not keen on pledging money for whatever reason, but you still want to support, you can follow my Instagram at the mage as well. You could tell your friends and family about the show. You could post about the podcast. And most importantly, you could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This is really important. It really helps because it boosts the algorithm over on Apple Podcasts and it draws in new listeners and helps get the podcast out there. Please help me out. This is an independent podcast. It's just me researching, producing and editing. Anything you can do will help. If you own a business and would like to advertise on the show, please get in touch. The show's email is themajorswell at gmail.com. Special thanks to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork. The poem this week is called The Stolen Child by W.B. Yeats. Where dips the rocky highland of Sleuthwood in the lake, there lies a leafy island where flapping herons wake, the drowsy water rats, There we've hid our fairy vats, full of berries and of reddest stolen cherries. Come away, O human child, to the waters and the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, for the world's more full of weeping than you can understand. Where the wave of moonlight glosses the dim grey sands of light, far off by fullest rosses, we foot it all the night. Weaving olden dances, mingling hands and mingling glances, till the moon has taken flight, to and fro we leap, and chase the frothy bubbles, while the world is full of troubles, and anxious in its sleep. Come away, O human child, to the waters and the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, for the world's more full of weeping than you can understand. 
where the wandering water gushes from the hills above Glencar, in pools among the rushes that scarce could bathe a star. We seek for slumbering trout, and whispering in their ears, give them unquiet dreams, leaning softly out, from ferns that drop their tears over the young streams, come away, O human child, to the waters and the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, for the world's more full of weeping than you can understand. Away with us he's going, the solemn-eyed, he'll hear no more the lowing of the calves on the warm hillside, or the kettle on the hob sing peace into his breast, or see the brown mice bob round and round the oatmeal chest, for he comes the human child to the waters and the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, for the world's more full of weeping than he can understand. Peace out, witches, and I'll see you at the crossroads. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.